Do the trashy pulp novels of the world have anything to offer? Are bestsellers all they're hyped up to be? The Terrible Book Club explores whether or not you really can judge a book by its cover or its ridiculous synopsis. If you've ever seen a book and thought, ugh, who's reading this? We probably are. Crossover episode of the Terrible Book Club. We have we're, we've got a full house here. Everyone's in on the party. We're all jamming over here. Rockin I'm Chris. This rolling. is Paris, and then we have these two other folks over here. Paris, introduce your friends, please. Hi. <laughs> do, you, do you want us to introduce uh, ourselves? Yeah, uh, yeah please. Right. Wait, no, 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 it's fine. <laughs> Hi, I'm Ken, and I'm G. <laughs> And we're the Antiques Freaks, but today we are book freaks. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. I was crying. I'm still crying. It's fine. I know it's, it's an emotional moment. Yeah, all friends together. Talk about books. All right, Talk so, about antiques. Uh, okay, I have tears streaming down Talk my face. Talk about Boston Revolution yeah, uh, with Johnny Tremaine. <laughs> okay, so hello. I am Paris, and I am kind of drunk. And this... <laughs> And this is this is Dee, who I went to high school with, um, yeah. and Ken, her wonderful friend. And both of them are antiques experts, and they host the show Antiques Freaks, which is wonderful. Aww. And this is the uh, this is the crossover uh, effort of those two. I'm really sorry. I was like struggling to talk. I was just laughing really hard and crying. So I refuse hard. to let your sorry laughing fit end before we start. Good audio. It's good audio. <laughs> yeah. Because we had. Are you saying Johnny Tremaine brought you to tears? Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I yeah, cried a little I mean, too. Who yeah. wrote this book, by the way? I didn't. I don't remember uh, the author. A- Esther Forbes. Okay. So, so yeah, this time on Terrible Book Club, we read John Tremaine, and we read it with the Antique Shrieks because they're fucking cool. Um, Aw, thank you. They're the best. Um, and so we read this because, well, I want to say it's an antique, but I don't think it is. I think it's actually vintage, right? Oh, Am I right? Is it vintage? Difference? Yeah, vintage. you got it. Yeah. yeah. Hold if on, you what does it different? you fucking listen okay. to the episodes, Chris. <laughs> Fine. For the uninitiated, what's the difference between antique and vintage? Vintage is older than 50 years. Antiques is older than 100 years. Oh, okay. So this this nests nicely between the two, I think, technically, because it came out in the 40s, right? Yep, 1940. Okay. Um, so yep. it's an antage or a vintique, perhaps? <laughs> vintique. vintique. I like that. Oh, I like that. Vintique. Oh. That, sounds like a, that sounds like a hashtag vintique, like a thing that would oh, be popular I'm on the Oh, I'm blown up on Twitter. <laughs> Let's get that trending. I'm going to get that trending. Yes. Hashtag right. Vintique. Okay. Hashtag Vintique. All so right. So let's talk. We, we, we read a book. It's an old ass book. It's about Boston stuff. So we, I feel like we should be familiar with it a little bit. Yeah. Right? Like, although Dee and I grew up in a town about uh, 60 miles south of Boston, I've lived in Boston and it's uh, surrounding environs for like 11 years now. And Chris has lived in Boston his entire life. Wow. Uh, so, yep. yeah. So we're pretty familiar with the uh, the environment of Johnny Tremaine. Oh, so you guys um, could like close your eyes and just be there. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. really Open easy. I just, just thought about. Oh wait, yeah, wait, you're in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, both works. No, like for Everything me, works. for me, that was that's really the the case because I worked at. Um, I can let this out of the bag now because I no longer work there, but I worked at the New England Aquarium for uh, several years, 
recently, um, which would be pretty obvious if you listened to that episode that we did about the mermaid at the aquarium book. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. So, um, and where the New England Aquarium is now in Boston is actually basically where this book takes place. Well, really? Um, yeah. So Central Wharf is uh, basically like it's right next to Long Wharf, um, and like where. Fish Street or Fish Ave or whatever was in George Main Fish Street, I think. Um, they, they had to like they only had so many streets back then, so you really yeah. didn't have to be that creative with the streets. Like that's the one with the fish on it. Let's <laughs> yeah. go to Fish Street. Go the way with the fish. Like yeah. how there's a school street. Fucking every. Have you yeah. noticed there's a school street? There's a school on it. Turns out. Yeah, Main Street, School Street, Fish Street. There's all those streets. Um, but yeah, so I when I worked in that area, I was you know as I was reading this, I was thinking about it, and I was like, oh shit, that's where all this stuff was. Cool, but like <laughs> that's where the fish but I mean, lives. Yeah, yeah, but like I mean, nice. you know, when they were talking about like where the um, I mean, in the book they call it the Boston Observer, but I think in real life the printing shop was called something else. I don't remember. The but, Boston um, Looker. The Boston Looker. Yeah. Um. Whatever. Oh god. But, <laughs> but, yeah. So yeah, despite living in the area, Chris and I don't have uh, the stereotypical Boston accent. So be thankful. Uh, I am so thankful. Uh, yeah. Uh, D, actually, D and I grew up in an area of the state where the accent is even worse. If you can imagine that, <laughs> it's uh, wretched. But, but somehow we managed to just purge it from our bodies uh, at an early age. I know yeah. I did. I went. I went yeah. so in the opposite direction that I still get people asking um, if I have my customer service voice on. They're just like, "Oh, are you Irish? <laughs> are you Southern?" Like. <laughs> I got that yeah, transatlantic thing, like, blooming. Yeah, I mean, and trust me, if you grew up where Dan and I grew up, you would absolutely want to rip that accent from your gullet like some kind of alien spawn. Like, it's <laughs> it's real bad. Uh, yeah, anyway. John Tremaine's would... book. We're here to talk about books. Yeah, well, I'm, t- I'm fucking setting a scene here, all okay, right? Yeah. All right? <laughs> so, John Tremaine tore his I'm own accent out of his land. The aquarium is on the remains of Fish Street. I'm well, delighted to learn not... that John Tremaine was a fish. Well, oh, no, yeah. uh, I honestly, if Johnny Tremaine was a fish, this book would have been way more interesting. Um, <laughs> this book is fucking boring as hell. So apparently Our- this book gets assigned to children in school. And I don't know how that doesn't cause just a total revolt amongst the whole classroom. Like this book is boring as fuck. What teacher is like, oh, I know it'll keep him entertained, Johnny Tremaine. Like, nah, this sucks. <laughs> but Paris, it's about a teen just like you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just like you. I'm a teenager. A really asshole teen just yeah, like I you. I mean, yeah, he is kind of a dick, which is, like, sort of realistic. Completely, a huge yeah. jerk. I, I was a little like, surprised yeah. where for a bit. I was just like, this is probably the most accurately a teenager's ever been written. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so there are some things about the book that I appreciate. So... Esther Forbes, the author of Johnny Tremaine, is actually a historian, and she wrote uh, a biography of Paul Revere that is, I mean, as far as I can tell from the excerpts I've read, far better than Johnny Tremaine. So, like, <laughs> don't waste your time with this. Read the uh, the biography of uh, Paul Revere, like, if you're interested in revolutionary Boston uh, history, because it's just so much better. I mean, I, I think when she... Like, she was trying to do a good thing here, right? Like, she was trying to get people interested in the Revolutionary War and get them interested in, like, fighting for um, individual liberty and what they believed in because this book was published during World War II when, like, America was getting involved. And, you know, this whole... This book was aimed at kids who were about to enlist in the military and fight during World War II. So, like... 
So yeah. with that in mind, like I You just made everything make a whole lot more sense. Oh shit, I had oh, no idea. Yeah. As to like why this book <laughs> takes the turn it does. Yeah, yeah. Because one context. second it's about some really asshole silversmith and then the next is like slowly taken over by like a history class. Like you're yep. trying to have a good time about this weird dude's fucked up hand and like, oh, that's cool. See how he handles that shit. But then all of a sudden, like, party they're... on it. Like, well, yeah, Paul Revere yeah. and Sam Adams showing up, like making like serious fucking like speeches and stuff. And I'm... Yeah. So, so like, I think yeah, I think if you if you're divorced of that context, it, it's a really shitty book. But like, I don't know. I it's one of those things where I don't think it's a great book, but I understand the intent and I respect the intent. Um. But yeah, like it's really too bad because Esther Forbes was a historian, and when she wrote notes, she was also dyslexic. So oh. her notes, her notes were incredibly difficult to decipher. Like the way that she wrote books, <laughs> she didn't use punctuation except for dashes. Oh, that's okay. I can definitely uh, see that in the end result. So her poor editor was like, "What the fuck, Esther? What are you doing? What am I supposed to do with this shit?" And she's like, "Yeah, <laughs> shut up, just edit it, you fuck." Uh, I mean, she was from Worcester, so Esther Forbes also That's from Massachusetts. That's probably what she sounded oh, like. So, uh, so she had she that probably, accent. Yeah, yeah. she's probably like, "Yeah, just fucking edit it, you fuck." I mean, I don't know. Um, you got any oxies? <laughs> oh, oh, that's Ooh. too real. Too real. Zing, gotcha, Esther. Oh, wow. <laughs> Take that, Esther um, Forbes. <laughs> so, this was before um, the heroin epidemic in Massachusetts. <laughs> well, no, in fact, Esther Forbes was a heroin addict pioneer. No. Get ready for Joe's book is so boring and why smack. I feel like I'm going to nod off at any second when I read it. <laughs> no, this book does not infuse you with opioid. That's not what happens. I did fall right, asleep. So- yeah, yeah, it was it was See? really boring. See, Paris. So I also wait. So um, hands up. Who fell asleep during this book? Ra- I'm raising my hand. Raising my hand. <laughs> hand is down. The hand is down. Oh wow. Oh, Ken uh, was engaged. I, near, I nearly fell asleep. Okay, so Ken and Chris survived. D and I passed right the fuck out. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah. So all right, who wants to like? Give a synopsis. Yeah, let's let the antiques because freaks take I over this book I'm summarizing thing for once. Do that, so. Oh boy! Ah, All right, once, antiques freaks, hit us. Summarize once upon a time. Okay. Yeah, I vote for Ken. <laughs> All right, he's got it. He's got the reins. Oh God, I've never ridden a horse. Um, once upon a time, John Tremaine was 14 years old and a silversmith in the 1770s. It's good so far. Uh-huh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're Sounds good. good. We're good. Something, something, his dead dad was part of a merchant family, maybe. So he had like a silver cup saying, you're definitely supposed to be rich. Go find your destiny or whatever. And then, uh, silversmithing, silversmithing. Yeah. Work on a Sunday. Oh God, my hand. Yeah. God took his hand. God took his hand as punishment for working on Sunday. Because Ben Franklin needed a, not Ben Franklin. John Hancock. (laughs) Very close. (laughs) Yeah. You were very close. John, John Hancock, Hancock comes by and is like, I need a new fucking sugar bowl or whatever. John Hancock needs to put his sugar in the finest dish. The only, the okay. only. You kind of sound like you're John Hancock talking in the third person right now. Like, that's how we rolled up there. Like, <laughs> John Hancock only has the finest sugar basins. Silversmith, you must I mean, repair this. I mean, hey, man, sugar's fucking expensive at that time, right? So, like, oh, you gotta sure. put it in an expensive ass dish. Like, this is how it goes. All right. Um, sorry, so, so continue. Continue. Ken. Uh, so John Hancock swings by and is like, Sugar Bowl make, please. And Johnny Tremaine, <laughs> after going to Paul fucking Revere for advice on how to make a matching Sugar Bowl. Yeah, and his, and his advice was do it good. 
Yeah. yeah. Do it good Hold instead of like, bad. Like, renowned silversmith just goes, don't fuck it up, boy. Yeah. And he's like, all right. Just gets just real up in his face and goes, don't, don't do bad. Yeah. Have you considered being good at your job? And yeah. out of my house. <laughs> I didn't so, realize Paul Revere was a silversmith, too. I just thought he was. Wait, a pro- what? I thought he was just like a professional horse yeller guy. No. <laughs> no. The horse yelling like, was secondary to the silversmith. The professional horse screamer. <laughs> yeah, like he just gets on the back of the horse and he yells shit about like what had Because like back then you didn't have the internet, so someone just had to yell about it really no, loud no. the whole time. No, I mean that whole thing is kind of That's why I was hear ye, hear ye, uh, check out the newspaper or whatever, because you just had to scream about it. Twitter back then was just someone's yelling. That's, I mean, so that's like Twitter I mean, now. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's still the same thing. Um, oh, could you imagine Paul Revere tweeting? <laughs> I mean, he'd just be like, Silver Bowl, 400 shillings. He'd probably just, yeah. <laughs> I was going to make a joke about him getting captured and immediately rolling on his compatriots, but oh. this is what actually happened. Oh, yeah. Wait, wait, Paul wait, Revere zings! Wait, did that happen? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't. I, I might sorry, be exaggerating a little on him rolling on the, uh, you know, the the Yankees. But he, like, the result of the midnight ride was that he got captured by the British and they like kicked his ass. And he was like, what? okay, 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 I'll tell you where they're marching. I'm sorry. Yeah, they left that, that part out of John Yeah, I was gonna say that was not covered in this book. So uh, fuck you, Esther Forbes, for giving us false hope. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, all right. So Johnny silversmithing on a Sunday to finish the ship for Benjamin John Franklin Adams and it's like <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate the flesh golem that made up our early congress yeah the captain yeah. planet of the American so Revolution. He summoned yeah, the dark so, forces, and he was like, so he's trying, I need sugar. ship for American captain planet. And he's like, oh, fuck, God took my hand. So some, actually, really, God didn't take his hand. His fucking shitty apprentice friend intentionally destroyed his hand. With and molten like silver. Some, yeah, with molten silver, like, okay, A, that's super fucking metal, but like, B, that's really fucked up, and I can't believe that that guy didn't get any... Retribution for doing that. No, no come no, up the, whatsoever. The, there's really like n- plots don't end in resolution in this book. <laughs> no, but no. Shit no. Just happens was the friends we made along the way. Exactly. Yeah, really. You yeah, regret yeah, that for the rest of your life with all the friends you've made. Yeah. So like, so this fucking guy intentionally ruins his hand, and I mean, he's, he's a child. Let's not. I don't care. Okay. He deserves to be he's killed. like fourteen. Um, yeah. When I was a teenager, I was hurting people on purpose. You know what? To the fucking gallows, bitch. All right? Like, I'm not dealing with this. Uh, But anyway, so this happens, and they give this description of his malformed hand, but I don't feel like I ever really understand what is totally wrong with it. All right, so hold out your hand, palm up. Okay. Now bend your thumb in towards your pinky finger. Okay. Now imagine that your skin is melted together in a way that your thumb is stuck there. Oh. I mean... You still got the other four, right? They're still moving. That thumb's really important, Paris. I don't know if you know this, but like, it's one of those major evolutionary features. Wait, was it, the, was it this? This is right hand or his left hand? I don't think it matters. Oh, this is right, right hand. hand, right? Because okay. right. he has to relearn to, to with his left hand. Yeah, he had to relearn how to oh, do yeah. everything else with the with the off hand. I mean, it's not the worst, but <laughs> I mean, in that time period, they were probably. I'm surprised he wasn't burned as a witch. Like to be serious, like yeah. I really. Or that he didn't die I, of infection. Yeah, yeah. I was really surprised when people didn't just like put a bag over his head and like drown him or something. <laughs> like you know. I mean, I mean, well, this just, apprentice is ruined. 
Victorian yeah, ugly laws hadn't come into play yet. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, at that time, anybody that was any sort of deviation from the norm, even if you were too old, like, people suspected you of witchcraft and fucked up shit, like... I imagine having a visible deformity was even worse, which is... No, we're, un- we're, we're a little past the Salem Witch Trials at this point. We're about 100 years past. Yeah. Because, like, the, Sal- the Salem Witch Trials went down so hard, so fast, that all yeah. of Massachusetts kind of looked at and was like, we're we're done with the witch. Yeah, thing. they got all yeah. sick to their stomach, and they were like, let's not anymore. <laughs> yeah. I will say there was a lot of missed opportunities for, like, insults based on the hand, because, boy, are there insults flying for about every other thing in this book. So many old-timey insults. Yeah. You scumabund layabout. Squeak you pig. Squeak pig squeak was another pig. one. I don't know what that is. Also, you dirty slut. How Dude. dare you stand Yeah, with... like, my favorite was him just going, fuck slut. <laughs> I mean, and I was like, whoa, yeah. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I was okay. howling because no, it was just like, I didn't expect him to be like, fucking slut. <laughs> like, yeah, that's like, not whoa. okay. It was a little different. She, it was the, the mom of the uh, of the, the, the household, the silversmith, Mrs. No, whatever. No, no, she didn't say it. He called, so they, someone was called a dirty slut because you see back then a slut was simply a dirty woman, physically yeah, dirty like, woman. Unkempt. Not necessarily sleeping around with all the peasant boys or whatever. It's just a literally dirty woman. But like, yeah. how do you assign that in the 21st century and be like, hey kids, just don't worry about that. Oh, slut every reference. fourth grade, grade <laughs> yeah, class ever was giggling. There's a lot in this book that does does not hold up in the 21st century. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and anyway, so, sorry, we're getting, like, sidetracked, but, uh, so, <laughs> Tank gets fucked up, and he's, like, fucking lobster Tremaine, and then he's, he's, like, he's, like, a Boston delicacy. Yeah, and then, everyone, and then everyone tries to hunt him for his delicious lobster meat. <laughs> yeah, that's why nobody insults him. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know, people are just total dicks to him, because once he doesn't have a a uh, financial function because fucking capitalism everyone's like fuck you Tremaine you're not gonna marry my daughters you're not gonna live in this house get the fuck out of here and so then he has to go try to find a job doing I don't know shrug something um so he eventually ends up working for the Boston Observer which was uh I don't remember what the, the real uh Boston looker no <laughs> I don't remember what the real like uh the Boston now- take a gander yeah. yeah, yeah, whatever. The, the uh, Boston, anyway. not a front for the revolution. Yeah, yeah, definitely not a front for the revolution <laughs> newspaper, um, which was a real thing. I don't remember what it was actually called. Um, and so he ends up working there and ends up getting tied up with the revolutionaries because you see in this book, the main character has to be tied up in all things historical in Boston at all times in this time period. Yeah, it's he knows everybody. very unrealistic. Uh we got Sam Adams up in here, John Hancock, big old Hank, uh, Ben Frankie showing up. Uh, Some old the, guy that gives a speech at the end that everyone's like really moved by. I forgot. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, you just called John Hancock big old Hank. Yeah, yeah. big old Hank. <laughs> you wouldn't. Yeah. No, I Hank. am forever from now on. <laughs> yeah, no, I got, I got a list of big Hank. historical people. That's yeah, what they call you, got, them. you got like some doctors, some John Hancock, Paul Revere, Sam Adams, James Otis is big speech guy and also big crazy guy. Uh, Dr. Joseph Warren is the good doctor who fixes Johnny's hand. John Adams, Dr. Ben Church is the bad doctor because he was an actual British spy. And you can tell because everyone in the book, they only address him to be like, you're definitely a spy. We know this the whole time. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And uh, no one's Billy really secretive, was real, actually. And Josiah Quincy, the lawyer, was real. Oh, right. Yes. Thank you, Ken, for that. Secrets uh, are that also was... really horribly kept in this oh, book. Oh, dude. Like... No one knows how to keep a secret. How did the revolution ever happen with these fucking <laughs> yeah, I have no of idea. people? They are sieves. They are just leaking information constantly. <laughs> it's so bad. Like, like how? I, I mean, people, so... 
actively says like everyone's just strolling up into the Boston Observer and the troops are like are just kind of letting it happen because they're waiting for an order or something. Yeah, and and like jo- so Johnny gets roped into the Sons of Liberty, which was you know kind of the the group that uh, I-, I guess in many small parts orchestrated the revolution, um, the American Revolution. So he suddenly is like. No, just because he's literally just there, they're like, ah, you lad, you can carry our messages, right? And, like, first of all, what organization is like, I don't know, random teenagers, we can trust them, right? Like, like, what are you doing? (laughs) Well, that they literally grabbed out of jail. Rab vouched for him. And, like, like, that makes no sense. Rab is weird. Rab is great. Fuck you. Yeah, so Rab is, Rab is, like, his best, his BFF who works at the Boston Observer, and he's, like, tall, dark, and handsome and shit. And involved in the revolution. Yo, and... uh, Johnny's into Rab, though, right? Like, they're... they're exactly! Right? Like, we right? all, like... real, real quick, can we call attention to the uh, Skype status D set for us? Uh, no, I can't you Go ahead it. and read it hang out on. for us. Oh, hang on. Uh, wait, no, no. I get... How... I get... Uh... What the fuck is all I see? Um, I mean, which is also appropriate. Just, just read it out for us. Wait, Antiques how do freaks. I get... Yeah, sorry guys, I can't see oh, okay. it. Okay, so on our end, it says Antiques Freaks, and then underneath that it says Johnny Tremaine was gay for Rab. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm with you, Chris, I'm with you on this. I mean, yeah, there's, de- I, there's, a, there's a whole lot of supporting evidence here with wait, just... Wait, wait, show me the support. Oh, he, I have Johnny a list. The whole, yeah, <laughs> oh, let's shit. take it away. Ken's our right, Ken, it away. This is the Ken and Chris corner, the yeah. Ken and Chris gay love corner. Whoa, okay, well, <laughs> all right. <laughs> I'm, I'm lifting my eyebrows in a suggestive fashion. Okay. I just, I just opened right. my fifth beer. Yeah, I, I was going to warn the audience about it. So we, it. Rip here it, come, slam it. Here comes the cliff that we're all about to fall off. All right, Ken, hit me with them details, them juicy deets. Uh, real quick, this, again, the whole book's in Johnny's perspective, so we can assume all descriptions of characters are as Johnny sees them. So on page 102, we get Rab, enigmatical, dark, Capable. Yes. Mm. <laughs> All right. And then uh, over here on page 215, we've got a conversation between Scylla and Johnny where Johnny says, Rab wouldn't marry you. He's too, too wonderful. <laughs> Oh yeah, do you not remember that part, Paris? Like, 100%, he's, like, super into rap. Like, they share a bed sometimes because, like, it's old times oh and, like, God, you gotta share a bed. No, wait, wait, about can, it gets, it gets better because, like... Continue. Scylla says, wonderful. That's what you mean? And then the narrator tells us it was exactly what Johnny had meant. <laughs> oh, shit. Johnny's thirsty. I don't, but but Johnny's, there's... like, keeping on the download, so what he actually says back to her is, of course not. But he's not like any other boy I ever knew. Oh damn! He's not like but, other boys. He's not I like think it's boys. pretty explicit here. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, you know, he's trying. He's like, I'm not gay for every man, but like Rab. Maybe Matt this Rab. was Esther's <laughs> hints that you know, if you're a young man joining the army, perhaps you'll find that one boy not like any other boy <laughs> yeah. when you're enlisted. Yeah, I mean, she's just getting them prepared for all the gay trench sex that's going to happen because you got no other options, right? So. Yeah, is that happening coming, a lot? Yeah. Uh, my evidence was the fact that, like, there's that whole, like, breakdown he has where he's like, why am I so angry that Rab is interested in Scylla? Why am I so mad? And he's just like, 
I must want Scylla, despite the, like, the text going on and on about how, like, you know I've never been interested in Scylla, so why am I still angry? You know what's funny is I didn't even, like, all right, so hand, fucking a round of applause to you, the rest of you, because I didn't even pick up on that. I was just like, oh, I was just a dumb kid realizing he's into girls, whatever, and just, like, flip past what? the pages. Like, oh, yeah, I didn't so, even, um, I, I didn't pick up on this, the gay a young subject. man realizing that he's very into the enigmatic and handsome type, apparently. Dark, tall, quiet. Yeah. He also takes special notice of Rab's dancing skills at one point. Yes. Notes Wait, that, like, really? this is the, one of the yeah. two times that Rab becomes alive is when he's dancing. And, oh, uh... Did you fall asleep I for the whole book, Paris? I know. My love. <laughs> and I and owe it all to Rab. <laughs> it's pretty clear that Johnny was super into Rab here. And it's it's kind of cute, honestly, because, like, they... I think he even, like, wants to hug or, like, cuddle at one point a little bit. He expressed, yeah. I, Wait, when was that? Yeah, he mentioned something about, like, wanting to be tender with Rab. That I'm happens, sorry. Like, I'm sorry. Really? Yeah. Really? Yes. Okay, maybe I was just half asleep throughout this whole book because it was so boring and I missed all the gay shit. Yeah, that, that was her strategy the whole time. She was like, kind of put everyone to sleep so they wouldn't notice the gay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did, that's a did good point. you miss the founding fathers' orgy at the end? I, um, <laughs> yes, I must. Have. Yeah, when, there's also there's also a bit uh, where Scylla gives Johnny an apple and John is yeah. like, "Oh, this apple's a symbol of our love," and then Rab eats it. That is oh fraught with homosexual God. metaphor. Like, do you get it? Do you oh get it? Oh my God, that's so good. He wanted I to put his love that. of Johnny inside him. Uh, yes. Do you know? He wanted to eat that sweet apple. Do you know? Um. <laughs> and you can bet, you can bet your bottom dollar. He like traced the like part where the stem sinks into the apple in like a in a suggestive fashion. Oh yeah, yep. you're right. <laughs> yep. And then Johnny that's was like, "Hey, I'm definitely into Scylla." <laughs> Yeah, that's, he's that's like, true. he's like, yeah, vaginas though, or something. How about that Scylla, girl? Scylla's like most of the women are super inconsequential characters. Like Scylla is just kind of there to, I guess, be the red herring of the love, the love interest when it's really Rab. <laughs> and then, oh yeah, hey, yo, can we talk about how he loves his cousin in like a creepy hate love kind of way? He's like wants to hate fuck her so hard. Oh my god, but, yeah. Like, oh, he's can we just talk like about how he hopes she eats herself to death. Yeah, he's like, yeah, that fucking bitch. Inflation oh, she's so fetish. hot, though. Ugh. And you're just like, Jesus. Yeah, the language about you? her gets really sexual. Very, I, like... Page 70. I hope she kills herself overeating. Direct fucking wow. quote. Wow. R.E. Lavinia Light. And then there's um, Isana, who's just... A, I don't know why I mean, she's she even like there. is she, like, a new black metal musician? Because that's what that name sounds like to me. Like... Uh, maybe. <laughs> she's, I mean, she's, like, some little girl that everyone harps on about being pretty, and, like, that that's it. She might have, like, a terminal disease or something, too. What? 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 Wasn't she sick or something? She was no. very sickly. She was yeah. annoying. She was, like, annoying sick. Like, she's, like, the kind of kid that's, like... <laughs> she's, like, the kind of kid that's, like, I'm only gonna eat chicken fingers and french fries. Yeah! <laughs> and, and she has like, like an allergy to chicken. Yeah, yes. and everyone's like, everyone's like, oh man, we tried to feed her an apple and she like almost died. I don't know. I guess she just eats fried shit. Like it was weird. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I she... was alarmed at the fact that every time Izana was in the text, there was like, and I'm not even exaggerating, always a priest creeping up from the wings to just like <laughs> feed her things and comment yeah, on how pretty that? she was. Like, yeah, deeply like, uncomfortable. Dude, Some like, priest is always waiting in the bushes for like a sickly young girl to give candy to and tell her how pretty she is. Well, yeah, I mean, the whole thing with 
this Anna, like, other than the fact that she's like, beside the fact that she's like a sick black metal musician, um, yeah, what was the, the whole thing with her was like, well, if you're beautiful, you're gonna be vain and a shithead and then get everything you want? Like, I don't, I don't understand yeah, what the and then moral of Isana was. Like, it was very strange. It was like, I if did. you're a shithead but you're really hot, I guess it's fine? Also yeah. kind of reinforced That's by the word. rich girl character. Who was the rich girl character that was like, I think, wasn't she like Lavinia? a white? Lavinia? Yeah, Lavinia, yeah. Also kind of the same idea. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean... I, I don't know the whole. What's anyway. again a character that doesn't really matter? No, women don't matter, Chris. It's the 1700s. Fuck women. Yeah, what are they supposed to do for the revolution? Make sandwiches. <laughs> Meanwhile, Deborah Sampson. Yeah, <laughs> she's not in this. No, nah. they literally <laughs> made food and like existed and produced children. That's all they did in this book. Um, we kind of totally got off topic, but that's uh, really, I mean, there's, there's yeah. a Boston Tea Party, and then the old man makes a speech, and the revolution starts. The end. Yeah, like. like uh, I don't know. Rab fucking eats it at the end of a musket at the Battle of Lexington Concord, I think. That's yeah. Right. Yeah, he chomps and, it. But Johnny wasn't, like, super sad about it. Oh, I mean, he was, um, like, I sad, have, uh, but... Oh, Ken has more notes on this. <laughs> uh, All right. No, Ken, Ken looks like he's, like, I'm, I'm looking at his materials right now, what? and he looks Fuck like he off. just, like, briefly descended into sort of, like, madness about Johnny Tremaine. <laughs> no, I mean, that's great, because I am way too drunk to be recording a podcast and have no notes, so thank God for Ken. Yeah. So, I mean, thanks, I'm sorry, thanks Satan for Ken. Fuck God, yeah. get out of here. <laughs> so, in the book, Understanding Johnny Tremaine, by Elizabeth Weiss Voltstadt. Get out of here, you read another book? Yeah. I read two other oh, books. Oh, God. Two of Understanding them. Johnny Tremaine, and I read Reading Johnny Tremaine. Whoa, overachiever. <laughs> and yeah, when you there's... open up Reading Johnny Tremaine, it's like, what'd you do that for? <laughs> <laughs> And then there's reading, understanding Johnny Tremaine, <laughs> which is actually just a basic phonics book. So, it... but yeah, uh, Johnny cares very deeply about Rab, according to this book, because it says after the fighting begins, Rab becomes the focus of Johnny's worry when he hears that some men were killed at Lexington. At the end of the novel, as Rab lies dying, Johnny feels only misery and concern for his friend. Johnny thinks that he never knew the real Rab. But then, when Rab smiles at him, Johnny believes in Rab's love for him. Oh. For Johnny, everything he had never put into words was in that smile. Oh. Question. Was friend in quotation marks throughout that paragraph? <laughs> oh. I feel like the quotation marks were in our hearts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is obviously like a revolutionary Boston gay story. Yeah. Um, something, something Boston believe... marriage. Yeah. yeah Boston marriage. <laughs> Boston Marriage-thon. Um, I, don't, I mean, that's the book, right? Like, the, the, oh, well, the revolutionary stuff happens. He, like, warns Paul Revere, and Paul Revere goes off on his ride, and I guess off in the background gets beat, the shit beat out of him by the British or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? All right, so, you know what's really weird for me is, so, so like, reading this book is sort of surreal, because, like I was saying, I, I worked um, in downtown Boston in the very area where Johnny lived and worked in this book, and now I actually work um, inside Harvard Square in Cambridge, which is, uh, and, and I work kind of near, like, the route that uh, Paul Revere took, and there's, like, these little golden horseshoes, like, in the ground, and, like, oh, this is the route he took to Lexington. And That's adorable. And, and so, like, so, like, every day I'm, like, this is weird. 
Like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why it's so weird to me, but it just seems... I guess because the rest of the country is like, oh, man, the fucking revolution. I'm like, yeah, whatever. They live here. Whatever. That's like, great I because even... I think you were the only one having an experience, like, similar to what the author wanted. Yeah, so yeah. this book totally worked for you, <laughs> yeah, Paris. Like, it seems like you were actually, like, having moments where you were like, oh, I'm living history, and we're just over here going, like, hey, <laughs> suck his dick about it. Yeah. <laughs> the rest of us just, like, into the obviously perverted part, and you're like, oh, wow, that really is the route that Paul yeah, yeah, was yeah. on his horse. Oh, dude, who is your favorite character? Mine was Goblin. Mine was Sandy. Okay. Who? The other horse. <laughs> what other horse? The God, war horse. The only horse. Okay, so I fully agree with you that Goblin is best pony, for sure. Absolutely okay. no question. But my favorite character is Rab. Because he's a sociopath. No, fuck you. No, he's, he is kind of a sociopath. stoic and he? competent and tall and dark and mysterious, and I imprinted on this book way harder than I realized as a child. Oh, wow, yeah. And the the, the 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 like the narrative goes out of its way to point out that Rab is like only a person when he's hurting people or dancing or I'm dancing. Sorry. I'm sorry. Same what? thing. Or da- Same yeah, dancing thing. is a kind of hurt. Yeah. Wait, how is dancing pain? Can someone explain this? How do you express your pain, Paris? Physically? Through dance. Exactly. Uh, no, I write bad doom metal songs. <laughs> have, you, have you never seen The Rite of Spring by Stravinsky? Uh, There's I mean, a lot of pain expressed in that dance. I've had to play it, but I've never watched it. Have you ever it. seen yeah. the video for Elastic Heart by Sia? Also, one no. uh, it's the same thing as The Rite of Spring, that, that video. No, hilarious <laughs> that you bring up Sia, because I only recently discovered she existed, like, last night, when my boyfriend, wow. my boyfriend... My, yeah, my boyfriend was like... Hey, do you know this artist? And I was like, not really. And he played me a little bit of it because it was related to some meme he saw. Where this, <laughs> cool where boyfriend. This, the chandelier this, one, right? It's the chandelier yeah, yeah. Meme. So this Asian guy. All right, this Asian dude. I'm sorry. I don't know what uh, what Asian persuasion this man was, but he gets scared and goes ah and goes ah. What sweet? Oh, like, that, I, I love know, that video. Just, like, Sorry, that was really awful. Uh, okay. But it was really funny. Meme updates with Terrible Book Club. <laughs> yeah. and antiques Some leaks. antique memes for you. Antique yeah, memes. Wait, wait, do you guys know anything about the antiques listed in this book? Um, I can tell you a little bit about... Uh, so, I've got like, some off-color facts about Paul Revere that I don't know how to introduce. No, just, I just mean, roll I with mean them. here it is. No here, here it is. We're, we're uh, so, rolling out the red carpet. Just yeah. go for it. Paul Revere was, in fact, a real silversmith. He was considered one of the best silversmiths, actually. Um, you have something to say, Ken? I mean, you can see that. Look at your face. Sorry, I just I have a quote from the book about uh, Paul Revere from page 141. Okay. He did not draw well. Not the way he made silver. <laughs> That's, like, rude. <laughs> Shots fucking fired at Paul Revere. Yeah, it's, it's Paul kind Revere of burns. true, actually. Paul Revere's, like, art was not good. <laughs> and I don't know why, because he was a master metalsmith. Yeah, like, how can you be bad at art if you make art 3D? Like, I don't... Yeah, like, one of the... Th- like, we went to arts... We met in art school. So, one of the things that you learn is that the better you get at, like, 3D modeling, like, when you're sculpting, you get better at drawing because you have a better understanding of how to translate, like, those spaces and shapes... So Dude, that it, makes it's, so much sense. It's impossible for me to imagine that he's like the beautiful crafter of these 3D objects and then he tries to draw a picture and it's just like, Wah. it's like Sanic <laughs> the Hedgehog. Like, <laughs> See, I assumed it was because like, 
you know how on like Project Runway or whatever you get like the designers who can't fucking draw for shit, but yes. they don't have to because they're the ones making the dress, so they know what those shorthand symbols mean, even though it looks like nothing but garbage. That's possible. So I'm assuming it's like the same with his yeah. silver shit, where like he knows how it will look when it's silver, and this is just to get it, get it down, get it out. Yeah. Right, right. Like How about some more Paul draft. Revere facts? <laughs> he was also not just a silversmith. Oh? Ooh. He was a goldsmith. Not as good as he was at Ooh. silver because gold is much meltier and, like, soft. Wait, 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 what? What? There's a difference between gold and silver? Yes. Yeah. What? The two different elements, Paris. <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> I mean, sure, but, like, when things are hot enough, they're all kind of the same, right? No. Yeah. <laughs> well, gold doesn't hold its shape as well as silver. Yeah, gold you can, like, bite Yeah, it's and super soft. Them. That's why people always oh, bite yeah. the, the coin or That's whatever. True. Yeah, wait, do you guys bite shit? Yeah. Do you bite shit all the time? It's basically yeah, like yeah. a meme that, like, if I want to know something about a, a, an item, it'll end up in my mouth. Oh, yeah. Do I think you, I heard that. Does this extend to non-gold, like, wood and stuff? No, pearls go in your mouth, right? Pearls go in my mouth. Uh, yeah. A variety of ge- gemstones in general, like, a lot of how I determine. Okay, okay. Just all Chris, jewelry, all jewelry ends up in these teeth. And again, if, if Chris had ever listened to your show, he I'm, would not be I'm so busy. <laughs> I'm editing so many podcasts. <laughs> I, I respect and betraying that. And things. That's true. We we have put out a lot of content recently, but um, yeah. So things end up in Dia's mouth. Anyway, back to Paul Revere. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, yeah. there are te- there are micro textures on minerals that are very hard to feel with the fingers and much easier to feel with the teeth and tongue. <laughs> I mean, honestly, that's an incredibly impressive trait that you have. Like, I mean, if you put something in my that. mouth, like, I don't know, I could probably be like, I don't know, it's either dirt or a spoon. That's about all I can tell you. Like, it's not like, I have no idea. It's not food. <laughs> that, that's the binary thing with you. It's either dirt or spoon. Like that. <laughs> Wait, like, dude, you're going to lose it when someone gives you a spoonful of dirt. Yeah. Oh, no. What do you do then? <laughs> What if it's just a dirty spoon, though? It does get wicked awkward because sometimes I, without thinking, will do this in front of a customer who is totally flummoxed as to why I just took their necklace and just, like, ate it. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine that being a very troubling experience. No, it's fine. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. I'm it. Yeah, um, wait, wait. Do you provide, like, some kind of disclosure, like... If your item is appraised by this group, it may end up in an appraiser's mouth, FYI. You know, no one ever warns for that. Oh, that's (laughs) Which is strange. Uh, But yeah, Revere also did iron uh, and copper and brass and bronze, I think. So all the metals. All the metals. He was uh, actually Revere Copper, which ended up being the conglomeration of all of his attempts to, like, mass produce uh, metals was a company down here where we are and Paris where I met you. Wait, is that what that fucking Revere sign is about? Yeah, that was his actual that, business. Like... Oh, shit, that's weird. Yeah, it was in production up until about the 1980s. Wait, where what, was that in New Bedford or was that in like Taunton or Mattapoisett or I don't know, I'm just saying names of places that <laughs> were near where we were. Like a made up town. It was down near the no, packing Bedford. district. Wait, it was in New Bedford? Yeah, yeah, right near the Wamsala really? Mills. Oh, which are now, like, fancy condos, which are cheaper than the fucking de- depressing, shitty apartment I live in now. <laughs> yeah, you should, hey, if you ever want to come on back. Yeah, no, thanks. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> no fucking thanks. Uh, if All anything, right. if anything, I want to airlift you guys out of where you are now. Yeah, I would, the Boston uh, seems pretty lit. Yeah. We got Same. any more Paul Revere facts? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
like, hey guys, remember this thing we're supposed to be talking about? Yeah, uh, so right. more Paul Revere facts. He was briefly a dentist. Makes sense. I mean, you, you got the metal to shove into people's faces. Basically, so yeah, makes... that's what he thought. Is like, oh, fillings are made out of silver. I'm good at silver. Sorry, I just open your choked. mouth here. I'm gonna I, shove. I just choked on my drink when you said that. I'm sorry. A <laughs> Who would let this man near your face? Uh, it was a, a lot of people. He was a very popular dentist in the short period of time he was practicing. Yeah. What? He's also recognized on... as the world's first forensic dentist. What? Excuse me. Yeah, a, yeah. a very real Wait, fact. He's the molder of teeth. That he is teeth molder. Yeah. Teeth molder, 17th century teeth molder. Yeah, so when Dr. Warren, <laughs> okay. the ca- a character in this book, um, in real life he died in a battle a year after like the events of this book. Was it Bunker okay. Hill? Yeah, I think it was Bunker Hill. Yeah. Oh shit, um, I live like right near there. Cool. Yeah, dude, you could go find Dr. Warren's like teeth. Stop giving people info as to where you live, Paris. I know you're too drunk right now. <laughs> I'm not, first of all, okay. I'm, I'm not that drunk. Second of all... I'm not that close to Jesus Bunker Hill. Christ. No one's going to find my house. And if they do, what the she fuck are they the going to do? She a while ago. <laughs> just hanging around Bunker Hill so, going, Paris! <laughs> uh, but yeah, okay. so they, they enlisted uh, Paul Revere to identify... His family asked him to identify his remains. Um, and they were having a hard time because they had been rotting for a year. And he what he ended up doing is he ended up <laughs> opening up all the corpses' mouths. And found the, like, fake teeth he'd made for Dr. Warren, which is considered the first example of uh, forensic dentistry. Wait, so did he make the teeth out of, like, fucking slave teeth in wood? Uh, no, he actually did it out of whale ivory and gold. Whale ivory and gold, okay. Yeah, that's a very fancy set, yeah. Whale ivory, New Bedford represent! Paris, Paris, what is... (laughs) The guy Paul Revere studied under made George Washington's possibly slave teeth. Definitely slave teeth. Sorry, sorry, I meant Almost certainly slave teeth. Sorry, I meant slave teeth, comma, and wood. Not (laughs) slave wood, which apparently Chris thought I meant. But yeah, yeah, so Paul Revere did know very well the guy who ended up making George Washington's slave teeth. Excellent. And that's uh, that's it for Paul Revere facts. Mm. <laughs> okay. Well, I just that need was you guys nice... all to know that he was a forensic dentist somehow. No, no. I mean, that was that was actually really interesting. Um. So in a similar manner, this podcast started off being about one thing completely different from the educational ending that we're wrapping. The, well, I mean, there might be some more stuff to talk about. Yeah. Oh, I, 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 I got kinda, tons. Yeah, I got I got stuff. So all I right. want to talk Ta- about... I'm going to sit back and let you all take it away at this point. <laughs> all right. So, um, so one of the things that really bothered me about this book is the... Um, the whole arrest and trial of Johnny Tremaine. So Johnny had the silver cup that his mother gave him. And his mother was like, yo, if everything goes real shit, you're a fucking light. Don't you forget, you're a fucking light. You're you're <laughs> fucking part of that family. Baby, you're a firework. Yeah, baby, you're a light work. And, his, and he was like, all right, mom. So his mom dies. He becomes a silversmith. And he has this prized silver cup that says he's part of the light family, which is L-Y-T-E. It's some... I don't know, some aristocratic rich people or whatever. And so um, after he has his accident with the silver and has a deformed hand and can no longer be a silversmith, he's like, oh shit, that's right. I'm a light. Like he tries to get jobs, kind of fails, and is like, well, I guess I can fall back on this. And so he tries to work it out and he goes to see Jonathan. Is it Jonathan Light? Like, yeah, or is it's it Jonathan, right? Merchant Light, Mr. Light, Merchant Light. I don't, because I don't know why, but everyone in this family, in the Light family, is called Jonathan or Lavinia. I have, I don't understand that. That seems real weird to me. But um, so he goes to Merchant Light and is like, "Hey, I'm actually your long lost cousin." And he's like, "Yeah, whatevs, dude. Like, somebody stole my cup. You're probably the asshole that stole my cup. Whatever." So anyway, there's like this confusion where 
Merchant Light is like, oh, I don't know. I only had like four cups and one is missing, but really there were five cups or so- or something. I-, I don't remember the exact number. Um, and anyway, Johnny obviously didn't steal the cup. His mother gifted it to him as proof of his uh, familial lineage-, lineage. But um, anyway, uh, Merchant Light is a fucking huge dickhead. At, uh, like, obviously, <laughs> he's like a rich asshole in Boston at the time. And he's, uh, uh, I think he's, like, in with the, uh, the Brits, right? He's not, uh... Yeah, he's, like, a, he's, he's colluding with the Brits. Mm, right. So, Johnny gets arrested for supposedly stealing this cup, because, like, he goes to try to prove his lineage by showing him the cup, and Merchant Light is like, nah, you stole that! So he gets arrested and, like, goes to trial, and, I mean, in the book, he, like, wins the trial and, and, you know, nothing happens, but I feel like in real life... That boy would have been fucking hanged. Like, oh, he'd be dead. He'd be fucking dead. dead. Completely dead. dead. Like, like, no way would he have won that trial. So that was one of the, the points in the book where I was really turned off because I was like, simplistic. Like, there's no way he would have gotten out of that. Like, I, I just, I don't know. It was it was a little too, like, you know, like, it's just a little. Yeah, it, was, it definitely gave me, like, this, like, weird Aaron Brockovich vibe. Where it's like, and then he stood up to the bullies and he won against all the odds. And it's like, okay. Oh, wait, is this supposed to be like a precursor metaphor to the revolution itself? Oh, shit. Fuck. Oh, fuck, maybe. Oh, fuck. I don't understand how that would work. the whole time, you guys. See, yeah, I just, it, I just thought it was a metaphor brilliant. for how in America you're not supposed to depend on, like, family money. You're supposed to strike out and make it on your own. So, like, when Johnny tries to depend on family money, he is punished for it. And then, like, goes on to make it on his own and succeeds. Oh yeah, totally. That's like that's totally valid. But like in light of the current political, oh yeah, no, it's bullshit. Reside, it's fucking bullshit. It's fucking hilarious and terrible. But anyway, <laughs> um, sorry, Chris, you're you're about to say something. I kind of forgot what I was about to say about anything, really, to be honest with you, because like I mean, the trial part, it, it seems like one of those things that just was like another end that wrapped up really quickly, and it didn't really need to be there. And I don't understand why it was added to this book. Much like Isana or, like, pretty much the front half of the book about any Silversmith thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, the whole thing... So, yeah, like, the family that uh, Johnny Tremaine Silversmith's with, he's supposed to marry one of the girls of the family who's around his age um, because the family's like, oh, our Silversmith dad is on the outs. He's about to die. So, you know, his apprentice needs to take over and marry one of the girls to carry on the family legacy or whatever. Um, so you have the two girls that are about Johnny's age, which is, uh, what's her name? And the other one? Scylla and Asana. Yeah, Scylla no. is his age. Scylla, no, Madge, and, and... Madge, thank you. Doris, Scylla, I think. Scylla and Madge, or Scylla and Dorit? Dor- Madge and Doris Rata? are about the same age. Scylla's exactly Johnny's age and, like, low-key betrothed to him. And then Azana's just, like, a, a baby, time to basically. Yeah, she's just... Azana's, like, way younger. And, um, and everyone keeps saying that Azana's just gonna die, so, like, ignore her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, everyone's like... That's why I said I thought she had a terminal disease, because... I mean, that's... Yeah. That Everyone's like, much... she, can't eat, she can't eat a horse meat. Forget about that bitch. Whatever. <laughs> like, okay. There was um, very much an attitude towards children at that time just because infant mortality was so fucking high. Yeah, no, it's no. It's also where you get, like, repeat names and families because it's like, well, the last three Johnnies died, so this one's a Jew <laughs> or a Doover. It's Johnny Dude. 4. All right, Johnny so 5 Ken alive. Is, <laughs> yeah. Ken is, like, 1,000% correct, by the way. Like, just saying. That is absolutely yeah. accurate. Thank um, you. I feel so, so valid. <laughs> you yeah, are valid. So, so, like, so Asana is, like, this little shit. She can't eat anything, and everyone's like, I don't know, she's probably gonna fucking die. I mean, I know she's real pretty and everything. Like, 
The book loves to emphasize how attractive Izana is, even though she's like five, deeply or uncomfortable, seven, incredibly or uncomfortable. She's definitely like under the age of ten, and the book is like, oh man, that Izana though, and you're just like, ugh. Which um, but it? then, but then, like weirdly, uh, Lavinia Light, Johnny's cousin, like a rich cousin, is like. I'm gonna take that baby. Yeah, she out just of my steals wig. the baby. Like, what? Literally, just takes like, him. Like, it's like, oh, she's gonna come with me now. And the silversmiths are like, yeah, sure. Yeah, it's Fuck so it. bizarre. Like, like I can kind of understand from the silversmiths family's perspective. Like, well, they're richer than us. She'll probably have a better life. Meh. But on the other hand, how common was this? Were rich people just pick cherry picking attractive babies around the city? Like, was this a thing? Uh, I short I answer: Yes. Really? Long answer, yeah. No, I'm just, uh, lo- lo- long answer, <laughs> um, uh, Countess Bathory. Countess Bathory was infamous for that, yeah. Well, yeah, but she, I mean, she, like, murdered those bitches to bathe in their blood, like, I don't think Yeah, but, like, the reason, like- the reason no one noticed that for so long was kind of, like, it was pretty common for rich people to go through, like, poor people neighborhoods and be like, that one's pretty. I want them to work in my house because I don't want to be surrounded by ugly servants. I only want pretty servants. Yeah, it actually did okay, happen that's a lot. Fair. There's also, that, like... That is fair. It goes up into, like, well into the Victorian era because for a long time it was standard practice to hire footmen specifically, not because they were necessarily good at their job, but because they were at least six feet tall and handsome. Yeah, you just wanted to have really? the hottest footmen. You wanted to have a hot matching set. Yeah, so sometimes people would go on strolls to, like, see if they could peep some hot dudes. Wait, but, like, wouldn't hot footmen cause a problem? Like, wouldn't everyone want to bone your Yeah, footmen? athlete's foot, actually. Uh... <laughs> but, yes, also yeah, everyone like... was fucking the footmen. Yeah. yeah. Wait, but, like, isn't that a problem? Like, don't you want people not fucking the footmen? It's only a problem if the neighbors find out, like most things. Yeah. yeah, the Victorians can be pretty summed up. Uh, like I, I'm kind of focusing Victorians because that's like the golden age of footmen. Uh, they can be summed up by like <laughs> it's fine if nobody finds out. I'm be- I'm hearing this as a foot fetish thing instead of like a, a soldier <laughs> yeah, thing my right foot now. Man. Nah, footmen. <laughs> it goes butler Wait. under butler footmen. <laughs> Wait, is that how foot fetishes started? Like yes, Paris, that's how fetishes? it started. You're, Maybe yeah, someone you, said, you "I'll have my out. footman attend to you," and they were like, "Oh God, yes." Yeah, they were like, so they yeah, found out. Get my feet ready. We figured it out. <laughs> and then he was just like, "I'll take your coat, sir." And he's like, "This is a disappointment." Yeah, yeah, that's not what I was expecting. I was expecting full-on feet treatment, foot yeah. treatment. All right, treatment. well, <laughs> does we have anything else to say about uh, this? Yeah. As besides feet, people. Oh, or absolutely. Because Kennedy have some shit. Let's fucking chop chop it. Yeah. Freaks. What you got to say? Ken, what do you got? <laughs> um, I just wanted to. Speaking of Izana and that whole fucking weirdness, yeah. can we talk about how on page 193, Johnny slaps her in the fucking face for being a whore? Yep. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Wait, what, how is she a whore? Because she, uh, Lavinia Light is going to a masquerade party and she and all the British soldiers are going as a match set where Lavinia will be like the queen of spades yeah. and like everyone else will be like knaves and knights and kings and whatnot and izana is going as a two spot and to do this they take izana strip her naked and then start making her costume in a room full of adult men oh and wow johnny's I, uh, reaction to I this have, i might have missed that yeah yeah johnny's mm. reaction to this is to storm into the room and slap izana the child for being a whore yeah and then yeah. there's also, like, an interesting point where Lavinia's just, like, that would be pretty funny if we took him to the party and then he slapped everyone because they're all dressed like whores. 
And she, she makes, like, an accidentally kind of astute point about Johnny being kind of old-fashioned. Yeah. Where she's just like, lay off the bitches, also, Johnny. Like, blame yeah. the child yeah. who yeah, has zero don't... control over the situation. Yeah, like, if anything, smack Lavinia light because she's the orchestrator of this nonsense. Yeah, God, like, please. Yeah, because she's, you know, puppeting the child. Yeah, and she'd be, like, Asana becomes her weird little, yeah, pop, I mean, puppet her word, like, you know, yeah, her she, weird... She is the chihuahua to Lavinia's Paris Hilton, basically. Dude, yeah. yes. Like, she's she her purse little... pet. Little human chihuahua that that fucking Zana becomes. Um, yeah, it's weird. I I don't I don't know. I mean, what else happens in this book? Um, I guess I guess this book was also like, hey, someone with a physical deformity, be nice to them. But I I didn't really get that. I kept forgetting. I think it, like, kept, it kept doing the nineteen forties yeah. thing of you wouldn't be disabled anymore if you just tried hard enough. Yeah. Uh, Pretty much, I f- had some strong uh, emotional reactions when Johnny was trying to look for work with a disability. Oh, yeah, Chris. As someone that's, that's had to live with that yeah. a lot yeah. in my life. So uh, that was like the one part of the book where I was like, oh, that, that sucks. I can relate to that, buddy. And yeah, then everything like, else was boring. Yeah, like going into jobs and being like, hey, I can work here. And then being like, yo, but that hand, though. Yeah. And then being like, oh, never mind, I guess. Because, yeah, Chris has some vision. I have issues. eye problems. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, like, but just by me parts. knocking the mic right there. Sorry, what? That was one of, like, the better parts was just, like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. That was the only, like, one of the only good parts, I would say. I mean, except I really didn't like Johnny Tremaine. I thought he was shit. Yeah. And I, I didn't really like how he was as a human. Um, I mean, I mean, and I'm not saying every book has to have the most likable main character, but... Um, it, it is really tough to read something when you don't give a shit about the main character at all and you think they're a little <laughs> fucking dickhead. Like, it's really hard to keep going. Yeah, if but he just got hanged, then I would have been fine. That's the what? magic of Rab. Yeah. 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 So you just need a handsome, enigmatic, confident, <laughs> capable man to yeah, so... orient you right and get you in on the revolution. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, John Truman sucks for a number of reasons. So, one, women have no agency in this book. Two, uh, Johnny Schmidt himself is kind of a fucking dink. Three, um, it's really written in a very, like, non-realistic way and that the main character is somehow interweaved into all of this revolutionary war intrigue that seems just, I don't know, it just doesn't seem like one person would really be involved. Yeah, in, he's uh, like everyone's go-to man. Uh, yeah, yeah, and, and like, I don't know, four, it's just written, I mean... Four, it's just written. That's it. That's my problem. <laughs> no, I know. It happened. No, I mean, the writing wasn't terrible, but it was plotting and kind of boring. Like, I, I, I didn't really... Uh, there were very few passages where I thought to myself... Huh, nice. Like most of them, I was just like, not even the rad parts. Whatever. Paris, not no, even. I you didn't notice that. I mean, I I missed the the rab Johnny fucking sick gay love intrigue. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, I I totally missed it. So thank God for the rest of y'all. Um, but yeah, I mean, I wasn't a huge fan of this book, and also thinking about uh, who this book was for, and at the time in which it was written. Who would have fucking paid attention long enough to get anything out of this book? Like, this book was written for teenagers in the 40s and has been assigned to teenagers in decades since. I can't imagine any teenager today suffering through reading this and actually enjoying it. I just, I just, I don't think so. Yeah, I, one of my biggest problems with, like, the the technical craft of the writing was that it, it started at random, like, it's unpredictably would switch 
point of view to suddenly we would be getting like the internal monologues of a tertiary character and then it would snap right back and i hated that it was very confusing and, and annoying i mean i also think i hated it because it was very it just what i mean i know that esther was a historian and it shows in the writing very strongly I mean, because you were never really getting anyone's, like, true emotional internal turmoil. You were getting, like, that filtered through some shitty historian looking at it 200 years later. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. It was, like, it wasn't very gripping. Uh, and, and like I said, I just feel like overall it's really unrealistic. And I think that she should have just stopped at the biography of um, Paul Revere. I mean, she also wrote some other things about... Uh, sort of Massachusetts history shit. Like, she wrote uh, A Mirror for Witches, which was about the Salem Witchcraft Trials, and uh, she was working on something else about the Salem Witchcraft Trials also when she died. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I haven't read uh, any of that shit, but um, I don't don't know that it would be for me, necessarily. I'm also picky as fuck and, like, can't really be trusted for reviews because I cannot I, be trusted. Like, nah, dude, I just hate everything. Like, I'm real, <laughs> I'm real picky. Like, the honesty's coming out with five no, drinks in. No, it's true, though. I'm real picky. Like, the things that I like are very specific. Um, I generally, I, I just don't really, and it's not that I hate most things. It's just that I'm not impressed by most things. I guess it takes a lot to kind of really um, raise my interest. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Excuse me, parents. <laughs> I mean, I'm like I'm like a golden retriever, and I end up liking a lot of things that are sort of trash. And I hated this book, so if that makes you feel any better, oh yeah, totally, it really does, actually. Because um, like I was sitting here, like I liked uh, a bunch, like in Carceron, I read like young adult fiction that's objectively bad, and I'm like, nah, guys, but the idea, it's kind of fun, like. And this was like, it was shit. Yeah, it was it was not good. And I mean, this book has won like multiple awards, and like the author is celebrated and shit. And I'm just like, I don't know, man. Can I you know. come into this book's defense? Um, get it in right now, man. It's your last shot. Here. Yeah. So make a well, decision. Uh, one, Rab is perfect and beautiful, and I want to rescue him and put him in a better book. Okay. Oh. And two, can we just have a quick moment for how this book approaches, like, black people as a whole? Oh, yeah, I had a note in my book that was just like, this book is crazy. Every time, every time a black person shows up, it becomes an instant Amos and Andy skit, like, fucking, yeah. Yeah, it's real bad. They're like, (laughs) like, at the beginning, they were like, black folks, huh? And you're like, ugh. It's very weird with the with all the big vaunted speeches about like every, a man can stand up and then like five minutes in the background was a guy like just kicking over a black woman going like get back to work. Yeah, anyway, yeah, what I was real. saying about liberty. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's, it's um, continue your to, speech, uh, good sir. Reading Johnny Tremaine by Neil Himes. Thanks, Neil Himes. Uh, mm-hmm. Whether or not it was Forbes' direct intention, they remind the meter that the. Sorry, they remind the reader that the idea of liberty cherished by the American colonists during the founding of the American Republic did not include Africans. <laughs> okay, yeah, right. yeah, it certainly does. Um, it's, I mean, it's a completely have... uncritical look at it too, because she was writing in the forties, like pre-civil rights, and I'm assuming Jesus. a white woman, because boy, how do you read like it? Yeah, and yeah, right. she's just like black people. I guess they exist too, but they're not like people. And just like, could you not, Forbes? Could you yeah, not? She was like, well, Could someone's you stop be washing for five the minutes. I mean, and also there was, um, I'm sorry, I don't remember the character's name, but there was like a washerwoman in the light household. Lydia, who I think, was, right? 
Lydia? Was that her name? I don't Bessie. know. Bessie. Bessie was the one in the lighthouse. Old. Bessie? I don't know. Uh, Bessie, Lydia maybe. was at the Afric Queen, and uh, I don't know that Mrs. the- Mrs. Bessie, yeah. yeah. Anyway, one of them was very, was actually quite important in terms of um, kind of like keeping tabs on like Sons of Liberty messages, and, and she was afraid that her fan, like the lights were gonna get fucking, you know, murdered or some shit. Um, so she was like, Yo, you guys should probably leave town like the night instead of tomorrow night. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, and and you know, she also I can't remember if it was her or the other um the other wa- like wash black washer woman or something who helped Johnny with a couple of things. Yeah, I mean, they're not really given their due. And he also kind of talks about African Americans as I don't know. He says some, he definitely said some kind of like mildly disparaging shit. He said um, some fucked shit up the beginning. Shit. Yeah, I kept yeah, expecting like it started with like there's that scene where uh, a lady throws water on him by accident, and he's like, "I was about to tell her what I thought about blacks." And like at that yeah. point, I was like, "Okay, so part of the narrative is probably going to be because I didn't, I've never read this before. This this whole thing, I thought part of the narrative was going to be that Johnny." like realizes what like a racist jerk he was and he's gonna be like oh my god we all deserve freedom no. and i was no. racist but like the book no. just like and and what i learned is that i deserve freedom and not lydia or miss Bessie. yeah i mean it's basically yeah i also was waiting for that turnaround like he's gonna realize all men deserve to stand up and all this shit but yeah. no, that never happens especially you know, considering like, he's got like this whole disability thing where he's like i now understand what it's like to be looked down on but yeah, I, but, but he, like, never, he never makes that fucking connection. No, nope, he really he's an does develop empathy, does he? No. No. Um, and Rab even, like, yells at him. He's like, dog, you need to try. Rab doesn't yell. <laughs> Rab gently suggests. Yeah. Oh, wow. True. <laughs> but yeah, that, if that's the lesson for this book, then uh, you don't have to change anything. You're cool. Everyone stay the same, and we should be fine. And, yeah, and nothing yeah, changes. Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, this book... I mean, I barely held my attention, and I'm... Dare I say, I'm nearly 30. Uh, so that's terrifying. <laughs> but uh, it barely held my attention. I can't imagine putting this in the hands of a 16 or 17 year old saying, yeah, read this book. Feel good about America. Like, so good. They're, they're going to throw it in the nearest fire. Like, this shit is not entertaining to them. I, I don't... I don't know. Like, Esther Esther tried tried real hard. All right. But... Last words on this book. Give me Hold a on, phrase. Wait, I have to... Ken oh, okay, has a note I'm here sorry. that I'm reading over his shoulder that you okay. have to say out loud. Why are you cheating? Oh, no, no, I'm no, cheating. And, I'm cheating. And uh, honestly, I also want to hear about more antiques-related details. So continue. <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna clarify for everyone. When they, they reference repoussé, like silver work, they did not explain what that was. I was angry. Oh, Rep- yeah. <laughs> I, I actually wanted to ask you what that was. It's the worst beat uh, poetry Repousse I've ever is heard. a very a highly skilled method of silverworking that involves hammering out a design from behind the, the piece that we'll be showing. Oh, so it's like... Um- uh, is that embossing or no. the, uh, the opposite of embossing? It's reverse embossing. You've got, like, the general... It's, like, instead of uh, inscribing on the surface, you're going behind it and, like, hammering out the details so they look puffy. So you're making yeah, it wait, punch out instead of making it sink there's in. There's a word. There's a word. It's not embossing. It's E-something. It's and God damn it. Engraving? Engraving, yes! Thank yeah, you. This, no. It's unlike engraving. It is much yeah. more like sculpting in reverse. It's very oh. difficult to do. Um, it is considered l- the skill of a master. Uh, and I, one of the things that pissed me off is the idea that a fucking 14-year-old boy would be able to, like, approach the level of skill of Paul Revere as an adult <laughs> yeah. man. Because I it definitely tries to sell I, me on that. 
I also thought that was odd that he was like, yo, I can make this sugar bowl just like from Fia, whatever. And you're just like, dude. And he does like, it. What? Like, how? I, uh, it was strange. Um, I don't know. Any other antiques notes for this episode of Johnny Chain? Um. No antiques notes, but one final gay note. Oh, okay, yeah. Gay, gay notes are also We're now the gay freaks. Here. So, for once, it's not related to Rab or Johnny. Ooh. But on page 146, we get the quote, Johnny thought how the Tories were saying that Sam Adams seduced John Hancock, even as the devil had seduced Eve by a constant whispering in his ear. Uh, well, so I missed that. I missed that. That's incredibly gay. I mean, the context was that he seduced him to the revolution side, not into his literal bed, I believe. The gay revolution. But, but like, it does mention like, Adam and Eve, which is a, which is also a very strong true. sexual that, metaphor. That, that's where it kind of, my idea of it breaks down. Also, the use of the word seduced, did they have to say seduced? I mean, but like, you could probably get someone into the revolution with your dick. Oh, absolutely, right? for sure. Dude, Sam Adams what? probably had it crazy in the Is that not what Rab did? That's almost certainly oh, what Rab yeah. did. That's very true. You guys ain't leaving big old Hank out of this, right? Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, hell no. Hank, Hank uh, was a freak in the bed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know yeah. what they say about a big signature. Yeah. Oh, oh no. Oh. And with that... You know, I, it occurred to me we didn't mention the Boston Tea Party at all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's really imp- unimportant anyway. Like honestly, it doesn't yeah, they, it was get, it was pretty sideline. They all get together, they throw the tea in the harbor, and that causes the the battle. Well, no, to start. they they fucking pretend to be Native Americans, which is what they actually did. They were like, oh, if we paint lines on our face yeah. and put feathers and in our heads, and also speak racist accents Peter Pan that one too. Yeah, uh, yeah. So once again, Johnny Tremaine is part of all Revolutionary War things, uh, including the Boston Tea Party. Um, so if you're unfamiliar, the Boston Tea Party was an event where Sons of Liberty boarded uh, some fucking ships. I don't remember. But they were full of tea. The um, Dean of the Pinta and the Santa Maria. No. Yeah, no. The only no. ship to ever occur. The Titanic. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The Titanic, yeah. They boarded all those. Um, so at the time... The SSN for Pokemon, too, turns out. Yes. It was over there. Um, at the time, tea was... <laughs> so the way that... So, all right. So now most most people have tea in those little, like, um, satchels that you buy in the store. Like, individual satchels. Uh, or you might buy it, like, loose leaf if you're slightly, I don't know, fucking fancy or whatever. But back then, tea was compressed into these, like, really, really, uh, I don't want to say compressed again, but they were... Dense? Heavily, heavily com- yeah, compressed into these dense blocks where you would just shave off some pieces and, and put it into boiling water to make your tea. And so when they toppled all these crates into uh, the Charles River... It permanently stained the river. I mean, I think it's still technically stained, right? Charles is still fucking slightly brown. It's definitely gross, so... Yeah. <laughs> I thought that Charles was brown because it, it nasty. Like... Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, the tea actually stained the river. Holy um, shit, really? Yeah, that's like a real sure thing. sure about that? Like, the ocean is running through that river, and there's a whole lot of ocean. Yeah, well, you know what? New but Bedford it's also in the sediment, host... which, like... I was gonna say, True, New, okay. New Bedford is host to a super fun site, which is, the, like... If you're a super fun site, you are so polluted you're producing, like, three-eyed blinky fish from The Simpsons. Like, I mean, and the <laughs> fucking ocean runs through that shit, too, and that didn't fucking get resolved until the EPA came in. All right, so, fair enough. 
Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, so if, that if mean, hey, it, does that mean if I drink from the Charles River, I'll have like a caffeine rush? No, no, it's, shit. It's you'll have something. You'll get, you'll get you'll get a rush. I get like there's a chemical getting in you. <laughs> um, but I don't know if I'm if I'm wrong about this. Please feel free to correct me. I I'm, hope you're not because it sounds cool as hell. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that it's it's still fucked by the Tea Party. Um, and basically, uh, the Sons of Liberty were like. It wasn't us. It was the Native Americans. He he he, which is a <laughs> shitty thing to do. Uh, but you know that was that. And apparently, Giant Tremaine was there. Washington the He did it just like Shitty you, kids. Friends. Yeah, yeah, just like you. Get involved in those revolutionary <laughs> acts. Um, uh, I don't know. How does this book even end? Like we we, we talked about that already. Uh, like Rab dies. Yeah, yeah. And like the best uh, character dies, and nothing means anything. Goblin anymore. is still alive at the end of the book. Dude, Goblin is my favorite. <laughs> goblin is the best. So Goblin was Johnny's horse, yeah. and as as in every children's book starring a horse, um, Johnny is the only person who can ride Goblin right. Like. Like, Goblin hates everybody but Johnny, and Goblin is only good for Johnny, and Johnny rides Goblin to deliver the news and shit. After um, Rab and- teaches him. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah they have a whole I- romantic, like, horseback riding lesson. Oh, yeah. I just love I just love Goblin because he's named fucking Goblin. Like, you <laughs> wouldn't expect good. that. He's the most beautiful a- horse in Boston, and they named him Goblin. And, yeah, like, what the fuck? Um, so, I don't know. This is a, a side note, but how many kids do you think have died as a result of children's media selling them on the idea that if they just get on a horse, it will love them and ride for them? <laughs> oh my god, I, I hope dozens, at least. <laughs> I hope. Uh, my favorite character was Sandy, the other horse, the Colonel's war horse, just because of that one sequence where they execute, like, Mr. Pumpkin... And the horse gets all excited because it's a war horse and it hears drums and it's like, oh, time to be a war horse. Uh, yeah, it's like, oh shit, <laughs> someone's dying. Really cute. Yeah. Someone's playing my jam down there, guys. <laughs> oh yeah, we didn't really talk about like all those ancillary characters. We like, don't have to. This has been going for an hour and a half. I've tried to end this podcast like five times. I don't know if you noticed. <laughs> Sorry, Chris. <laughs> I mean, first of all, it's been an hour and ten minutes, so fuck you. Uh Secondly, Chris is over there going, oh, God, I have to fucking edit this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Yeah, I don't know. Do you have any other, like, antique-specific knowledge about this? They said no already, but I was paying attention. I, I, try, look, I tried to, like, mine this book for anything, but they were really, like, close-lipped about anything. <laughs> <laughs> they were just like, they yeah. didn't talk about silver as much as I was expecting them to. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I guess so. Um, I mean... Yeah, so, uh, overall, my review is don't fucking read this book, as per usual. Uh, I don't know if anyone else feels differently. If you need a sleep aid, it's pretty good. (laughs) Yeah, uh, this book was way longer than I anticipated. It was, like, 300 and something pages, and I was not ready for that. Um... Yeah, I don't know. Antis freaks. What's your uh, what's your final say? My here. review yeah. is read the first like couple of chapters for the accurate depiction of silversmithing, and then okay, dip. fair. <laughs> that's fair. That's very fair. Or like if you've, uh, I also feel like maybe we don't appreciate it because we've lived in Boston and it's like what the fuck ever. But I guess if you've never been to Boston or Cambridge and you don't really. Like, you've never experienced anything about the Revolutionary War in America. It might be a good read for you to kind of get a feel for the time. But, like, it is pretty boring. There are are better books out there you can read to get the same effect. Yeah, I mean, it's very good for the oppressive nature of religion at the time. Like, I mean, yeah. 
If you want to, if you want to, like, did religion feature in this book at all? Yeah, the creepy priest. It's legal to work on Sundays and to ride on Sundays. It's legal to deliver papers on Sundays and take payments for papers on Sundays. Yeah, but it is legal to uh, give pretty children candy whenever you want. (laughs) So, Ken, what's your rating in the book? Uh, Rab out of rab. Best you were here. Well, it's what? got a rabbit of rab. This book has a rab in it. Therefore, <laughs> it is know. it is a rab book. I think I think Ken has a fucking rab fetish that we've got. <laughs> no, we gonna, gonna, just, I just rediscovered a childhood crush, and I was just like, oh, this explains every other character <laughs> I've ever liked. <laughs> Only uh, Rab is real. Yeah, only Rab is real. Uh, Rab for Rab. Rab fiction. for life. Tarot Rab Book Club yeah, 10 out. 10 out of 10 Rab fan fiction. Yeah. 10 out of 10. Um, I would give right, it a 3 y'all. out of 10 Revolutionary War fan fiction. Three, wait, 3 for, out of 10 muskets. Yeah. How many muskets do we give this <laughs> 3 month? out of 10, yeah. 3 out of 10 muskets. Rab right, out of enough. 10 muskets. That's enough of this. Chris is so upset. <laughs> I, I need to edit this later. <laughs> Chris, Stop talking about Chris, muskets and Rab. forgiveness. Okay. All right. Okay. All that, right. That's well, we we're going to wrap this up uh, right now. Thank you, Antiques Freaks, thank for being you on this much. episode. You are thank wonderful. you so much. This is a ruckus good time. I'm not even that drunk. I think I was just thinking about You had five hard seltzers. Five. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the funniest sentence I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> all right, everybody. Thanks for this episode. Well, we would love to come back on again if Chris will. Uh, I promise I'll keep the runtime short. Yeah, yeah, that's if okay. We, love we, you guys. If, yeah, right. yeah, that was this is great. Um, thanks for tuning in. Um, listen to the Antique Freaks if you have not. Uh, it's pretty easy to find their show. Just fucking Antique Freaks, whatever. Like, there's nothing else like them. <laughs> Unlike Terror Book Club, uh-huh. where you have to like, where you have to like sift through piles of bad book clubs to find us. Uh, we we are there, but um, we got a Patreon. Yeah, we got a Patreon. Antifreeze also have Patreon. Uh, I subscribe to their Patreon to get sweet um, post antique postcards every month. So far, they've been oh, hilarious. Yeah. And I love them. Uh, you can subscribe to our Patreon for uh, some exclusive content, like us watching the Legend of the Seekers ABC series from. 10 oh, I can't years wait ago. to get into that. Oh yeah, oh, there's plenty. Yeah, I mean, we just posted an episode uh, including red leather bodysuits. Yep, so. there's a whole lot of red leather. Yep. Tight to bodies. I'm it's, ready for it. My body I, is ready. Yeah, dude. I can't believe this shit was on ABC. Um, but anyway, thanks for listening. Find us all on social media. We all have Facebooks, Instagrams, etc. Um, Chris, do you look like you're going to say something? I'm going to say goodbye to everybody. <laughs> Chris is like, I just want to shut the shit down. All right. Uh, thanks for listening to this wonderful crossover. Um, Thank make you. Sure you listen to the Antiques and Terrible Club. Bye. We love you, Bye. We love you too. Bye. 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 Bye.